Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of Hashtag Pistons. I'm Joe, I'm your host. Um, so, the big news for the Pistons, and that's what we're going to start with, and then we'll move on and we'll just talk about the playoffs for a little bit in the very series. Um, the big news for the Pistons is that the meeting between Tom Gores and Stan Van Gundy is supposed to be happening this week at some point. Um, I don't think that there's been a specific day given. Perhaps it's today, perhaps it's not. Uh, but no matter what, that's what's supposed to be happening this week. And I don't have any particularly close inside sources or anything, so most of this is just sort of speculation. But I would say primarily a big thing to note is that because of the fact that they're having this meeting now, and obviously he still hasn't been fired. Uh, there is a. It is probably true that Tom Gorse was not lying when he said in his when he, it wasn't actually a press conference, I guess. But he told people, "We have made a decision. We're going to look over everything this off season. We're going to have a meeting about it." I think that he probably was telling the truth about that. That he he truthfully had not made a decision. It was not a. He was not just so furious or anything. Well, we're just going to fire him. Obviously, he had the phrase that a lot of people locked onto that, you know, haven't won enough, something needs to change. And so we'll see exactly what that ends up meaning, but he almost certainly had, in fact, not made the decision. And then beyond that, I would say that because they pushed the meeting back and whatnot, just everything combined says to me that Gores is probably going to give Stan Van Gundy a real chance to present his argument, so to speak if that makes sense. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they had been talking some already leading up to when they have this quote-unquote meeting, but I think that this meeting they're going to have is not necessarily just, um, because supposedly, like, they're going to have it in Cal, in, I, Tom Gores lives in LA, I think, um, but, like, he, Stan Van Gunny's going to head out there and they're going to have a meeting, and a lot of people seem to act like, oh, well, he's just going to fire him there. I think that he's. it's going to be a real, like, like an actual meeting meeting. Like, they're going to talk about it for a while. And I think Tom Gore is probably has not made his decision yet. I think that he's going to let Stan Van Gundy go in there and say his piece. And, you know, say where he sees the direction of the team going, what he thinks can happen, etc., etc., etc. I would think that it would almost be as, you could almost think of it as though, is though Stan Van Gundy is getting to interview to keep his job, almost, so to speak, if that makes any amount of sense. Um, that's the general feel that I've gotten about it, and from a couple of people who've told me a couple of things, um, is that he's going to get a chance to... He's going to get a chance to... He's going to get to say his what he wants to say, at the very least. He's not just going to show up and Tom Gore's going to go, yep, we're going to fire you, and that's that, and Stan Van Gundy walks out, and that's... You know, I think he's going to actually get a chance to say his part. And um, a lot of people brought up removing him from his um, duties as president of basketball operations and maybe letting him just coach, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Personally, I would just assume there's a clear, he doesn't have the title just because I think that it's better in an organization to have a clear a sort of clear hierarchy and sort of clearly defined roles, if that makes sense. 
I think that it's better to say, right, this guy's the GM, he's making the personnel decisions, this guy's the coach, he's the coach, and that's what he does. I think that it's just a better way to run your organization. That said, there's a couple of things. First off is that um, a lot of people way overestimate the amount of impact Stan Van Gundy has on personnel decisions. And um, because it's it's honestly, he mostly lets the front office, Jeff Bauer most notably, the GM. Once again, Jeff Bauer is the GM. Stan Van Gundy is not the GM. He is not the general manager. He's the, quote, president of basketball operations. He's not the general manager. So people are like, he has to stop being the GM. He is not the GM. But from my understanding, and it's especially grown over the past few months in particular, that um, the front office mostly does their thing, and Stan Van Gundy mostly just coaches. He does not actually get that involved with everything else. And he just sort of, he gets the final say on things, and he gets a louder voice than a lot of coaches, for certain. But my understanding is that the Pistons operate not that much differently from most front offices to coaches. Um, Stan Van Gundy's just more in charge of things, so to speak. And that's a model, with it like that, that's a model that I actually think... um, I think that that model can work. A lot of people think that, you know, oh, have said... Well, it's just proof that model just can't work. I mean, that's more or less what the Spurs have done forever. And, you know, it basically, I think that it's the sort of thing that it can work when you use it like that. That said, I prefer to just, just have it clearly defined. This guy's the general manager. He's making the personnel decisions. This guy's the coach. He's making coaching decisions. I'd rather it be like that. But I certainly think that the model that the Pistons have can work. I think the model that the, late, that the Clippers gave... Doc Rivers, where he was making the personnel decisions. That's a bad idea. You shouldn't do that. That should have never been a thing. But I think when you have it the way the Pistons have done it, where Stan Van Gundy, he sort of gets the overarching power of everything, but more or less he just lets his front office do their job. I think that's something that can definitely work. Um, So lastly, I think that my guess is I think that he's probably going to stay. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, even if necessarily maybe the title doesn't necessarily change, but the um, it's scaled back a little bit. I would not be surprised if he had less duties in the front office or less power. I wouldn't be surprised if he was just taken away from the president of basketball operations and they went to just, he's just the coach now. Um, but my guess is that Stan Van Gundy is still with the Pistons, just... Um, the way that it's gone based on the things that some people have said publicly and some people have said privately, that's my guess. So my thought process is they're going to give him a chance. If things go poorly early next season, um, he'll be on a short leash. So if things go poorly next season, he may not make it past the All-Star break. But I think they're probably going to give him a chance. And personally, that's mostly my preference. I've talked about it quite a bit my own um, preference and thoughts. I wrote a piece on it. I've talked about it on the podcast before, so I'm not going to get too into it. But in case you've missed all those other things, uh, basically I just see it as he hasn't succeeded enough to the point that I'm going to really go to bat for him. If they do fire him, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But there's enough good things, and when you consider the situation, and when you consider the situation he came into, um, I'm certainly not eager for him to be fired. I would just assume give him another, give him one more year. But once again, that said, he's 
you know, they haven't won enough, which is what everybody said. So if he gets fired, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So um, that's it for the Pistons. Um, so if you don't care about what I have to think about anything else, then you can peace out and I'll see you later. As for the playoffs going on right now, um, it's been, first off, just from a fairly objective standpoint, super, super fun. Uh, let's see. Does, obviously, the um, uh, the Pelicans swept the Blazers, but other than that, pretty much every series has been at least a little bit competitive. Um, the Spurs-Wars has been pretty one-sided, even though the Spurs won the last game. Um, but every... Let's see, three of the four Eastern Conference series are currently at 2-2. And um, the Sixers-Heat series has been a bloodbath, even though the Sixers are clearly better than the Heat. And in the Western Conference, we've got I mean, Minnesota won a game. They've made that look a little bit more competitive, potentially. I don't think they're going to win another one, personally. Um, Jazz Thunder has been good. So it's just, it really has been a really fun playoffs. Um, so I've just got each one in the stats open in tabs, and I'm just going to work my way through it in no particular order. Um, just give some real quick semi-rapid-fire thoughts on each series. So first one I've got here is Bucks celtics um, I'd start off by saying that if the Bucks don't win this series, I'd say that would be a pretty much a disaster for the Bucks as a franchise. Um, look, there's been problems all along. Uh, Joe Prunty is not exactly a great head coach, uh, and obviously took over from Jason Kidd, who was worse. But if you can't beat this super injured version of the Celtics in a playoff series, it may be time for like really dramatic changes. Because the thought process earlier in the season was this team's got all the talent in the world, which they do have a lot of talent, etc. Um, just they need a new coach. They just need this. They just need that. If they can't beat this Celtics team, it may actually just be like, no, this isn't just a we need a good coach or we just need this one thing. This is like there's something fundamentally flawed with this group, and there may be major changes coming. Um, they won the last two games, obviously. Been a pretty entertaining series. Obviously, Giannis is great. Uh, Chris Middleton has been having a great series. The thing for Celtics fans is that if Jalen Brown keeps playing the way that he's played, uh, even if they lose, that'll be some consolation. He's scoring like 24 points per game in this series, which is great. Um, you know, it's it, it's prob- it's got to be a little bit tough for Celtics fans as to how exactly to judge this series because on one hand, your guys are injured, your young guys are playing well, you're sort of playing with house money, so to speak. But on the other hand, you had such a good season, and it's like you don't want to just, obviously you never want to lose. So it's probably... It's tough to say, I, I would guess, for a Celtics fan exactly how to feel about this series. But um, I'd probably still lean that the Bucks are going to win the series. And that's not just because of the fact that they've won the last two. It's very easy, whoever won the last game, oh, they're going to win the series. Uh, but I'd still lean Bucks. I leaned Bucks before the playoffs started. But, man, they just, it's, it's bizarre, honestly. Um, the biggest thing to come out of this series, I think, for a lot of people, is that Chris Middleton is awesome. Uh, I, I've thought that for a long time, but Chris Middleton has been an absolute thorn in the side of the Celtics. He's played really well. He's scoring 25 per game with four assists and six and a half rebounds. Like, that's just awesome. He's been a problem for the Celtics. And I'd still lean that the 
Bucks are going to win, but the Celtics are not going to go down easy. Obviously, they're just, even without Kyrie Irving and obviously Gordon Hayward, who they've been out without all year, they're going to be a very tough defensive team. They're very well coached. Al Horford is still incredible. Um, the one thing that could really shift this series very quickly would be if these first four games from Jalen Brown have been um, a little bit of a mirage. And it's just he just had a few really good games. Like if he turns around in the next game, which they played last night, so they probably won't play again until I don't actually know when their next game is. Um, but if he turns around the next game and just lays an egg, for instance, and it's like, oh, that's actually what's going to happen the rest of the way, this could go six games. But either way, it's been a fun series. Um, I'm kind of rooting for the Bucks because I don't. The Celtics don't need to win anything, to be honest. They don't need to win anything ever again. Uh, but I've mostly been impressed by Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe has been like kind of a borderline disaster in the playoffs this series too. So that's fun. Um, next up, the Heat versus 76ers. Uh, the Sixers are up three-one. And I believe they play tonight, I think. But, um, you know, one thing that is worth mentioning here, okay, is that a lot of people are making this out, you know, ah! a lot of people are making a lot of, a very big deal about the Sixers being up in this series. I tr- And I said this beforehand, I think that the Heat are the weakest playoff team in the East. Um, the Wizards are below them because the Wizards had injury problems all year. And the Bucks are below them because the Bucks sort of had just general dysfunction all year, but they've got all the talent in the world, and talent wins better in the playoffs. The Heat basically are here because of the fact that they just they've got quite a few very good players, really good coach, they know exactly what they are, they and they play hard. Guess what? In the playoffs, everybody plays hard. A lot of the problems with chemistry and sort of playing together and playing the right way go away in the playoffs for a lot of teams. I think that the Heat are the weakest team in the playoffs from either conference. Obviously, obviously the weaker team is going to be in the East. And so I'm not actually that ecstatic for the 76ers about it. Um, but that said, the Heat are no joke. Uh, ben Simmons has been great. He's scoring almost 20 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, 9.8 assists. He's scoring pretty efficiently as well. What's his shooting percentage? 56%. Dude can't shoot, but he can score. Uh, obviously, Joel Embiid came back in the last game. He did pretty well in that in the last two games. Um, he's a problem for the Heat. And I'd like to see... I, I'm rooting for the Heat to win just because I don't want to hear about the Sixers in the process, quite frankly. But this is a really fun 76ers team. Ben Simmons is fun. Um, a lot of guys who can shoot. One of the things that's been funny is that Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova have been huge for them. Marco Bellinelli is scoring 18 points per game. That's that's pretty remarkable. And, you know, they're just, they're a fun team. I like the 76ers. The thing that bothers me about the 76ers is that them having any success just means more people yelling that the Pistons need to purposefully become an absolute laughingstock for the next half decade which I'm just, I'm not on board with that at all. That's Truthfully, that's the only reason that I'm rooting against them. <laughs> but they're playing really well. I wouldn't count out the Heat entirely yet just because they've been pretty close, but they're probably not going to win. And the reality is that uh, they're probably the weakest team in the playoffs. I think that. And once again, I said that before the playoffs started too. So 
Sixers are probably going to win. I wouldn't totally count out the Heat. I think the Heat will win probably one more game, but we'll see how that goes. In the end, though, really good series for the Sixers. Um, it's continued a trend that happened later in the season that particularly once Eliasova and Bellinelli arrived, um, they really got going offensively, and Ben Simmons really hit his stride. That guy is that guy is incredible. Next, Pacers-Cavs. This has been a fascinating series, tied at 2-2, obviously. Um, one of the things that's kind of funny and interesting to think about with this series is that... Um, um, is how good are these teams? Because on one hand, the Cavs were supposed to be, obviously, just because, you know, LeBron, they're supposed to be the team that is going to, you know, they're supposed to be the big bad team in the East. And it's sort of like, on one hand, maybe the series just shows that actually this Cleveland team, just like it, quite frankly, it kind of showed all season, this Cleveland team is actually just not very good. Um, LeBron is LeBron, so you don't want to count them out in any series, but they're just not that good. They're going to get killed in the next series by whoever they play against, and that's going to be that. On the other hand, though, what if the Pacers are actually just their real team? Because they've been good all year. They won, what, 48 games, didn't they? I think. Let me double-check that. Yeah, they won 48 games. Like, this is a real team. I mean, what if it turns out... So, like, if the six... If the... Basically, here's the point, okay? There's a very decent chance on one hand that whoever wins this series is going to have a real chance to go to the finals, whichever team it is. And on the other hand, it may well be that, you know, everyone's like, oh, this is this great series, and then next round they're going to get killed by whoever they play. So I'm kind of interested to see how that goes. Um, For now, I'd still have to pick Cleveland just because I'm not going to pick against LeBron. I'm going to assume LeBron is going to win until he loses in the Eastern Conference. That's just, when you go to seven straight finals, you get that benefit of the doubt. Um, but there, it would be like, <laughs> it would be something, wouldn't it, if the year after they trade Paul George is the year that the Pacers finally beat LeBron. Um, that, would, <laughs> that would really be funny. But the reality is, for a lot of people who are surprised about this, I don't remember what I picked this series to be. I probably picked... I hope I didn't pick the Cavs to sweep. I don't remember for sure. I truthfully don't. I hope I didn't pick them to sweep. But, um, you know, a lot of people are surprised about this. Kind of shouldn't be because this is what the Pacers have done all season long where it's like you don't think they should be that good, but they just, they are. They play defense pretty coherently, and they can score. Victor Oladipo's awesome. Bojan Bogdanovic can shoot. Miles Turner can shoot. That Young can score in a few different ways. Darren Collison has had a career season. Um, Demonis Sabonis can can get buckets off the bench, too. I mean, it's just, this is a good team. This is a real team. I'm not sure what their long-term ceiling would be, and they've got a lot of flexibility. They're going to have, like, I think they're going to have, like, close to $30 million in cap spaces offseason or something. They're going to have a lot of cap space, so there's going to be a lot of openings for them to try and improve, but... This is a real team, so that is one thing, is that um, I would not immediately count out either of these teams in the next round, whoever does win. I'm still picking Cleveland to win, just because, I mean, it's LeBron, but certainly at this point, I would not be shocked if the Pacers won. That's a real team right there, and good for them, honestly, really good for them. Uh, it's They had a super fun season this year, and I the only thing that I hope for the Pacers is that 
Um, they don't next year. They don't like have everybody regress, and then they have a really disappointing year. That would be that'd be too bad. Next series, Timberwolves Rockets. I don't care about the Timberwolves. They're not good. Um, Jimmy Butler is awesome. That's it. I believe in Andrew Wiggins long term. I think he's going to end up being okay eventually. But um, Jimmy Butler is the only guy they've got. I'm my my dislike of Carl Anthony Towns is well documented. The dude is a terrible defensive player. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get some crap for that, I'm sure. It is kind of funny that Derrick Rose is playing 20 minutes a game and scoring 14 points. Um, also kind of funny that Derrick Rose is scoring those tw- those 14 points per game on only like 53% true shooting percentage and turning the ball over quite a bit. Um, you know, it's... I don't... I, I'd, I'd be surprised if the Timberwolves won another game, but... It's kind of funny. Um, James Harden's had a couple of really good games. It also was not so good in the last. Was it the last game or the one before that? Um, I'm a little bit worried about it if I'm the Rockets just because they haven't looked quite right in this series for the most part. Um, and I think a team better than the... And, okay, they haven't looked quite right. And the reality is, so, like, they're they're only scoring 103 points per game in this series. Minnesota is not a good defensive team. They've been bad defensively all season long. So that's a little bit worrying for me. But for this series, I'm not worried at all if I'm the Rockets. Um, I'm more worried about the fact that potentially it you have not looked right in the playoffs once again. And while this Rockets team is just so good that they can play at not their best and still potentially um, uh, and still potentially really. I, they could they could win the finals not playing their best ball all playoffs. That is possible. That's how good they are. But I'm I'd still be a little bit worried about that. Next up, Spurs Warriors. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about this. The Warriors lost the last game. Spurs. You know, I it's a feel good win. Um, Manu Ginobili had a really good game. Lamarcus Aldridge has been playing really well, just like he has all season. Um, but there's. That that's going nowhere else. I'd be surprised if that went more than five games. Um, the Warriors could potentially be open to be vulnerable in the next round, provided Steph Curry isn't back yet. Um, but I I would not worry about that at all. There's not really anything new here, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, next, Jazz Thunder. Ah, uh, geez, what a weird. This Thunder team has been so weird all season long because there's times where you look at it, it's like there's and they play so well. And there's also times where they just don't. Um, Russell Westbrook has not had a good series. He's shooting thirty six percent from the floor, twenty seven percent from deep. Uh, Paul George is playing really, really well at least um, because of the fact that Westbrook has played so poorly would lead me to te- still lean that OKC is going to win this series. I'm be surprised if he plays that poorly the rest of the way. He'll probably play better. Um, but this, this jazz team, I mean, Rudy Gobert, just what a freaking difference maker that guy is. I mean, he is so good. Ricky Rubio has played awesome as well. Um, Derek Favors has provided some good life. Also like, this is a good jazz team. I mean, and they've been good. They've been, they tore through everybody for a while at the end of the season. So I suppose it shouldn't really surprise anybody. Um, I'm still leaning Oklahoma city. Just because Russell Westbrook is a lot better than he's played, uh, I would guess 
Ricky Rubio as not as good as he's played. Um, so that's that's just my leaning. But that's a really close series and also super fun. If you're watching one series the rest of this in this first round, the rest of the way, I would recommend that one, quite frankly. Uh, Pelicans Trailblazers, the saddest series for one team. Um, geez, what can you say? Anthony Davis is incredible. Drew Holiday is incredible. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. Nikola Mirotic has been awesome for the Pelicans. Uh, the main takeaway is that Drew Holiday really, that, it makes me so happy. That guy has had a really good season. He's been a good player for a long time, really underappreciated. Um, even now, he's probably paid more than he should be. He's paid like $27 million a year for like the next four years after this year, which is a lot. But that guy is, I'm not, that guy's deserving of all the love he's gotten. He's a brilliant defensive player. He can score two on offense. And Anthony Davis is incredible. And, you know, this was always the thing with the Pelicans all season is that you know, no matter what their final seed ended up being, you have to be concerned about them because there's a very good chance that Anthony Davis is going to be the best player on the floor. So you have to be worried about that. Um, the one thing I'll say for the Blazers that kind of stinks is so Damian Lillard really did not play well. Uh, he only shot 35% from the fourth floor, 30% from three. They scored 18 points a game and played 40 minutes per game to get those 18 points. And... It's kind of fun to pile on teams when a guy plays really bad. But the thing that sucks probably the most for the Blazers is that, is that this was a really fun season for them. They overperformed. And Damian Lillard was awesome all year. And he's probably going to make one of the all-NBA teams. And when that happens, a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, but he flamed out in the playoffs. And I look, there's truth to that. But it, that's the thing that sucks the most is that Lillard played so poorly that he's going to just get so much crap about that, and it's going to overshadow a season that was really a great season for him, and also for the whole team. And this has to do something for the Blazers. I mean, I don't know where exactly they go from here, but there's probably going to be some changes there. Last one, Wizards-Raptors. Once again, in case you didn't know, I hopped on the Raptors bandwagon for the playoffs, and I already regret it. I mean, the big thing here is uh, John Wall is incredible. Um, should be a good reminder that anybody who is saying that maybe John Wall, the Wizards are better without John Wall, they're wrong. John Wall in this series, 26.8 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 13 assists, 2.8 steals, and a block. True shooting percentage, 53.6%. I'm, that dude is just a two-way menace. I think there's a good argument that he is the best non-LeBron player in the East. Um, He's just, that guy is a terror. Bradley Beals played really well too, but there's just, it's tough to win when you do not have the best player in a series. And John Wall has been the best player in this series so far. Um, One nice thing for the Raptors is that DeMar DeRozan has played really well. Kyle Lowry's played pretty well. So at least there's not too much LOL trash bros talk. Um... But just losing last night's game definitely is a problem for the Raptors. Uh, I'm still leaning Raptors in that series. I think they'll probably win. But it's a close series for sure. 
The only thing to remember is that John Wall only played 41 games this year and often was not himself when he was playing. So the Wizards are definitely better than most eighth seeds are. Um, yeah, so that's that. Just some quick thoughts on everything. And that's going to be it for this episode, 27 minutes. Um, you guys all stay beautiful and go Pistons.